Hello, everyone. My name is Rick Hawkins. I'm the pastor of Quest Church. I want to thank all of you for joining us today. You're about to hear a word that is informative, insightful, and inspirational. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can go to questchurch.com. Enjoy the message. Come on, y'all, that's pretty good, but we're talking about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords today. Let's remain standing. Let's remain standing for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles or look on the screen or look at your smart device to Psalm 91. Psalm 91, please. And before I even begin preaching, I wrote this down in my notes as I was in my office here today. The safest place you will ever be is in God's glory. The safest place you will ever be is in God's glory. You do not get glory, you give glory. David said, you are the glory and the lifter of my head. God is good, isn't he? Psalm 91, verse number one. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover, say that word. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. We have been preaching on community here at Quest Church. Today, we're going to preach on one word, security. Say that word. If I could subtitle this message, I would call it understanding that this is a safe place. Say that to three people around, around you. Understanding that this is a safe place. Father, one more time, we thank you for the reading of your word. We break every generational curse and dismiss every generational spirit. Let revelation run its course in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, everyone shall praise the Lord. Come on, y'all, clap your hands to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, one more time before you sit down. Are y'all praising Jesus today? High five three people and tell them it's on in the building right now. If you don't mind, I'm going to read the same seven verses of Scripture from the Message Bible. I think it reads in a pretty cool way. You who sit down in the high God's presence, spend the night in Shaddai's shadow. Say this, God, you're my refuge. I trust in you and I am safe. That's right. He rescues you from hidden traps, shields you from deadly hazards. His huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them, you're perfectly safe. His arms fend off all harm. Fear nothing, not wild wolves in the night, nor flying arrows in the day, not disease that prowls through the darkness, not disaster that erupts at high noon. Even though others succumb all around, drop like flies to the right and the left, no harm will even graze you. Everyone say, I am secure. A few weeks ago, we started this series by talking about identity. Four basic needs in every person's life. Number one is identity. Knowing who you are. Pastor Josh preached last week, and we so appreciate him. And he preached on the word acceptance. Knowing you are loved. Acceptance. Knowing you are loved. Wednesday, we will address the subject of purpose. Knowing why 
you exist or knowing why you are here. But this morning, we're going to talk about security. Knowing everything will be all right. Somebody shouted, everything will be all right. So to be secure is to be fixed so as not to give way or fastened so as not to become loose or so as not to become lost. Secure. I'll read it again. Fixed so as not to give way or fastened so as not to become loose or not to become lost. Secure. Security is freedom from danger, freedom from fear, freedom from anxiety. Secure. You know, as I was preparing this message today, I thought about security and how important it is to feel secure and how much insecurity is in the world today. Trepidation, phobias, fears characterize this generation. But I came by to tell you, when you know the Lord, you should feel, listen to me carefully, eternally, perpetually secure. So I started studying about security. And I'll read this to you because I find it that interesting. During the initial construction of the Golden Gate Bridge, no safety devices were used and 23 men fell to their deaths. For the final part of the project, however, a large trapeze or net was used as a safety precaution. It cost $36 million to build the bridge. It cost $100,000 to build the net. At least 10 men fell into the net and were saved from certain death. Even more interesting is the fact that 25% more work was accomplished after the net was installed. Why? Because the men had the assurance of their safety and they were free to wholeheartedly serve the project that they were undertaking. Bridge builders had never enjoyed such a luxury. So the added security made them feel, as one worker said, like they could dance on the steel. And I came by to tell you today, go ahead and dance. Because there's a safety net under you called the mercy and grace of God. Touch your neighbor and tell them, go ahead and do your dance because everything is all right. Say it again, everything is all right. So I start thinking about security and where it starts. And security really begins in childhood, doesn't it? Anybody in here when you was a child, were you afraid of the dark? My daddy used to say, Ricky, you're afraid of the dark because you lied today. So we start establishing security in our children when they are very young. So I started studying this psychology of childhood, and I learned this, that a child's security is found in the stability of their parents. If the relationship is an emotional relationship that is always fractured, then it produces insecurity in the child. Parents should never fight in front of children. I'm reading to you what the psychologist said concerning security in a child. I believe that parents should never fight in front of children. Parents should respect the natural sensitivity and emotional vulnerability of their children. Respect the natural sensitivity and the emotional vulnerability of your children. And it will produce security in them. Children feel secure when they know they are in an atmosphere of stability and an atmosphere of love, security. The two most important things to establish security in children are, number one, build trust. Build trust. Trust doesn't happen overnight. Trust takes time. Number two, be consistent. 
It's amazing what consistency can produce in life. It really is. Just be consistent. Just show up. Just show up for the ball game. Just pray every morning before they go to school. Show consistency in your life. Our subject is community. So I ask myself this question today as I prepare this message for you. How do we build security in community? How do you build security in community? Insecurity is driven by fear. I'll say it again. Insecurity is driven by fear. Security is driven by faith. Faith and fear both have their own language. Faith and fear both have their own vocabulary. Hmm. Insecurity can run through a company or a congregation like a hot knife through butter if the language of the congregation that starts from a few turns from trust to fear. In the same way, security is established in the core of a company or a community or a congregation when the language is changed from fear to faith. The language of insecurity is very obvious. Gossip, suspicion, doubt, skepticism, slander, Dishonor, dislike, all the language of insecurity. Here's the language of security. Safety, respect, protection, belief, success, health, growth, love, and so on. Ask your neighbor, what language are you speaking? Now, don't answer them, please, because that will polarize you. I'm going to talk to you about three words today. And I'm going to preach for two hours and 45 minutes. And then we're going to go home. I'm being facetious, of course. But I do have a word for you. And we're going to shift from just analytical processing and logical reasoning to a spiritual mode just for a moment. In other words, I want to introduce to you the prophetic announcement of Isaiah. We're going to talk about three things as we peer into his incredible telescopic prophecies concerning eschatology or the end times. And the three words are very simple. Number one is covering. Say that word. Covering. Number two is tabernacle. Say it. And the third word is house. House. The house. Isaiah chapter number 4, the covering. Verse 3, and it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion, Zion represents the church, and he that remains in Jerusalem shall be called holy. Even everyone that is written among the living, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of Zion and purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst of Thereof by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning. Verse 5, Isaiah 4. Listen very carefully. This is where we will rest our attention. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For upon all, everyone say all, all, the glory shall be a defense. And there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and a place of refuge and for a covert from the storm and from the rain. When we were singing today, I always looked for confirmation. Lord, have we heard from you today? Did you really speak to me about this message for these people in this moment? 
And one word stood out today in all the songs that we sung, and I have not talked to Jamie. I have not talked to anyone on the praise team about what I was preaching. No one knew. And the word in every song was glory, and then glory, and then glory. One person in this building knew what I was preaching on, and that was my wife. And she looked at me, and she said, baby, there's your message. And I thought, how interesting. God's got a way of confirming what he wants to say to his people. So in Isaiah chapter 4, in verse number 5, he talks about this dwelling. It literally means every habitation of God's people. The dwelling place is every habitation of God's people. But he says the dwelling place shall conspicuously be in a place called Mount Zion. Mount Zion is the church, but it means the permanent, perpetual church or family of God. It means the universal family of God, Zion. It means the monumental pillar that will never be moved. Jesus said it like this, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I know people tell you church attendance across America is declining and the church is in jeopardy and we're, you know, turbulent things are happening. But let me remind you, one thing you can count on is the church is never going to disappear from this earth until Jesus calls us home. I need somebody to give him praise. The church is a secure place. Just nod your neighbor and tell him the church ain't going nowhere. Right. And he said, this glory shall be upon the assemblies. He specifically, the prophet says, assemblies. I believe Hebrews tells us, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, especially as you see the end time approaching. So he said, this cloud is going to be on the assemblies. Lord, help me to pace myself because I want to preach real fast and I'm trying to hold my cadence down because I'm getting a little bit excited about what God is about to do in this place, in this assembly. The word assembly in the Hebrew means the place of convocation or the place of public meeting where God's people gather. Nudge your neighbor one more time and tell them welcome to the assembly. The message Bible reads verse 5 like this. Then God will bring back the ancient pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night and mark Mount Zion. God will mark the church and everyone in it with his glorious presence, his immense protective presence. The King James Version says in verse 5, for upon all the glory shall be a defense. The glory is God's protective presence. Glory is God's protective presence. And the glory, he says, shall be a defense. It literally means in the Hebrew, the glory shall be your canopy. The glory shall be your closet. The glory shall be your chamber. The glory shall be your covering. Woo. The glory shall be your what? Covering. So what does covering do? Number one, covering acts as a substitute or a replacement. When you don't show up, the presence of God shows up for you. I'll leave it there. Number two, the covering guards you from attack. Number three, the covering affords you protection. And what's that word we're preaching on? Security. The glory, the covering, gives you security. I said in the preface of this message, the safest place you'll ever find yourself is smack dab in the middle of the glory of God. But covering also means to invest with a large amount of something. It's God's investment in his people. Oh, Lord have mercy. God's glory or his covering is his investment in you. Everyone say the covering. Now let's graduate our thinking and take it to the next word. The next word is tabernacle. Say that word. 
Verse 6 says in Isaiah 4, and there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow. The word tabernacle now means not just a covering, but to cover over. Shout it with me, I'm going undercover today. Shout it again, I'm going undercover today. Tabernacle means to cover over. When the Bible says Jesus came to dwell among his own, the word dwell in the Greek means he came to tabernacle with us. He came to give us a place to get under. Being undercover is so significantly important for your security and well-being. Numbers chapter 19, verse 15. Pastor Josh says these words, and you know about this. Every open vessel which does not have a covering is bound to be unclean. Boy, y'all need to hear that. Every open vessel that does not have a covering shall be deemed unclean. I'm going to say it one more time. Every open vessel that does not have a covering shall be deemed unclean. An open vessel is vulnerable to the atmospheric elements. I'll say it again. An open vessel is vulnerable to atmospheric elements. The cover keeps what's in the vessel safe and protected. In other words, the content of the vessel is not protected until the vessel is undercover. And God said, I will be a cover to assemblies. In other words, if you forsake assembly, then you're leaving yourself open. You're leaving yourself vulnerable. But when you get in the community, when you get in the house, now suddenly you have a covering and you're not susceptible to atmospheric elements. Okay, let me break it down spiritual. I'm trying to be practical for you. In other words, the principalities and powers and rulers in heavenly places cannot do in your vessel what they want to do when you belong to a community called the congregation of the believers. When you're in the house and you're in the community, you are undercover. The responsibility of the house is to get in between those elements and the vessel. You are not truly covered until you're under something. Wow. You cannot be truly covered until you get what? Under something. This is powerful stuff. So he says... I will be like a tabernacle, a covering to you. Boy, it's an interesting Hebrew etymology in Isaiah 4 when he talks about the tabernacle. Help me, Jesus. It means this, to stop the approach of the enemy or to cut off his attack. Denoting the idea that when you are in the tabernacle, undercover among the community, the enemy can have an intention to attack you. But when he approaches you, he sees, I don't even need to waste my time because they are undercover. Ooh, talk back to me. When you are undercover in the assembly, the enemy cannot do what he wants to do. So he will turn around and leave you because he knows he's wasting his time. <laughs> the tabernacle does many things. Are you learning anything so far? Somebody shout, I'm secure in the community. You know what, before I go on, I've told this story here before. Just humor me and allow me to tell it one more time. I won't tell it anymore until next year or next week. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 4 is very dear to my heart, see. This isn't just another passage of scripture. I've meditated on Isaiah chapter 4 and Isaiah chapter 2 probably more than any chapter in the book of Isaiah because I really do believe it's an eschatological call on how to act and respond in the end times. So I wanted to know the pattern of these chapters. 
and the pattern of this prophetic utterance. Mm. So I'm preaching a revival in Houston, Texas in 1996, I think it was. And I get a call that one of the girls in our church had been kidnapped. She was nine years old, Nikema. And I said, cannot be. And they said, yeah, they kidnapped her out of her front yard. And they believe it's the guy that had kidnapped 11 girls before this that were 10 years old and younger, and he raped them and killed them all. And we believe it's the same guy. And this is a homicide detective that was a member of my church that's on the phone with me. I said, Jimmy, what makes y'all think it's him? And he said, just the way he went about it. I fell on my knees in my hotel room and I said, God, Isaiah chapter 4 promises us safety if we're in the assembly. I said, now you know her mama Cece and you know she's a prayer warrior and you know she's in church every Sunday and you know she's in church every Wednesday. She's in every prayer meeting. She's in each outreach program. You cannot let this happen. And I start crying. I preached the last night of the revival on a Tuesday night. Drove back to San Antonio and we had church that night. 900 and something people in the building. I went to the pulpit and I made the announcement that I just rehearsed to you. That Nikema had been kidnapped. That's all I said. When I said that, over 900 people fell to the floor. Not one person sitting in that seat. And I've never heard travail like that in my whole life. And I thought, they're going to pray for a few minutes. I never told them to pray. They just start praying and calling out. And I thought, surely they'll get up in a minute. I laid out for 10 minutes and I looked up and they were still out and you could still hear them. 30 minutes later, they were still calling out. One hour later, they were louder than they were when they started. An hour and a half later, they were lifting up their voices, laying flat out on the ground. It sounded like the roar of a jet engine in the sanctuary. And I thought, my God, I've never heard people pray like this. Two hours later, they still praying. We never dismissed the service. After two and a half hours, I got up, went to my office, and the homicide detective walked in behind me, and he's crying. And he said, Pastor Rick, it's been three days. And I said, I know. He said, after three days, we quit looking, and now we start investigating. I said, what are you saying to me, Jimmy? He said, 80% of the time, these girls are already dead. And I looked at him, and I said, Jimmy, don't say those words. Nakima shall live, and she shall not die. He said, how do you know? I said, by the sound that's coming out of that safe place. By the sound that's coming out of that sanctuary. By the sound that's coming out of that assembly. This girl cannot die. Wednesday went by. Thursday went by. I'm calling Jimmy. Anything. Noon Thursday. Any nothing. Noon Thursday. Anything. Nothing. Noon Friday. Nothing. Saturday morning. My phone rings. And it's CC. And I can't understand what she's saying because she's crying so hard. And I said, Cece, I need you to quiet down and talk to me. She was bawling her eyes out. I said, tell me what you're saying. And she said, Pastor, a car just pulled up to the front yard of my house and let Nikema out. And she just walked to my front door. Y'all not hearing me. You got to believe in a safe place. You got to believe in the house of God and the prayers of the saints. You got to believe Isaiah chapter 4 when he said, I will be a covering to all assemblies. I will be a covering to where people gather in my name. I will cover them. Woo! And I said, Jimmy, we ain't done with this fellow. He said, what do you mean, Pastor Rick? I said, I'm calling another prayer meeting. We're going to find this man. 
The next week, he kidnapped another girl. And an old sheriff in Kerrville, Texas, woke up and he went to his table with his wife. He's a born-again, Holy Ghost-filled believer. He looked at her and he said, Mama. She said, yeah, baby. He said, this is my last day on the police force. And she said, I know. He said, today, the Lord showed me. I'm going to arrest the man that's been kidnapping the girls in San Antonio. He leaves his house. He goes to the office, tells the sergeant the same thing, gets in his car, goes to a park, pulls up in the park, and there's the man's car. And he's got the girl in the car. Boy, I wish I had a church that could hear this. The old man jumps out, pulls his gun, tells him to get out the car. When he did, the girl jumped out the other side, took off running through the woods. The man stepped out, dropped down on his knees, and the sheriff arrested him, and it was the same man. Church, I want you to know something. God is serious when he says, I got you covered. He's serious when he says you can be secure in the community of the believer. Woo! So he says, my glory. High five somebody and tell him he's got our back. Come on, tell three people around you, God's got you. You got to trust him. You got to stay locked in. You got to be part of the community. You got to be part of the congregation. You got to be part of the assembly. You got to get in the house. You got to get undercover. And if you are, you can be secure. God's going to take care of you. If you believe it, jump on your feet and give him a crazy praise like you know he's protecting you. Somebody shouted, God's got us. Tell your neighbor we are undercover. Woo. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, let that revelation permeate this sanctuary that it's important for us to stay connected. It's important for us to stay assembled. It's important for us to stay undercover. So he says in Isaiah chapter 4, he said, I will be a covering to all the dwelling places. I will be a covering to all the assemblies. Shout it, that's us. Sit on down. He says, now watch, I will be a shadow to them. The word in the Hebrew is I will hover over them. It's the same terminology found in Genesis chapter 1 where the spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep. It's like a hen covering her brood. It's like a hen covering her chicks. It's like a hen giving, bringing forth new eggs into the earth. God said, I will cover, I will hover, I will be like a shadow over assemblies. Do you not know that every time you come in this house, the Holy Ghost is hovering above this house and he's looking for somebody ready to get pregnant with purpose. Somebody that is ready to receive something that is revelatory to your life. I need to know if there's any hungry people in the building. And God said, I will be a shadow over the assemblies that are called by my name. Then he said, I will be a refuge. The second thing to them is the place of hope and trust. He said, that place that I call shelters and assemblies is a place where people who have lost hope can come home and get their hope back. When you lose trust and your trust is wavering, you can get to the tabernacle and your trust will be restored. When your life is in peril, you can get back to the house and find a place of protection. And you will say, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of holiness, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is known in her palaces to be a refuge. Welcome to your refuge today. Welcome to the house of hope. Welcome to the place of protection. Tell somebody this is a safe place. This is a secure place. This is a refuge. This is a place where God's shadows 
Finally, he said, I will be a covert to them. You got to hear this. To a covert means to disguise you. The enemy can't touch what the enemy can't see. The enemy can't touch what the enemy does not recognize. That's why Psalm 61 says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to a rock that is higher than I am. For thou hast been a shelter for me. You have been a strong tower from the enemy you have been a shelter to me you have been a strong tower from the enemy I will abide in your tabernacle forever I will trust in the covert of your wings y'all don't hear me when you are when you are in the covering of God you are in disguise you are in the covert of God. It's like the enemy cannot distinguish you from God. He looks at you, he sees God. He looks at God, he sees you because God got you covered and you are in disguise. And I came to tell you that when you're in the house of God, the enemy don't know how to find you because you've got a disguise on called the beauty of holiness, a garment of praise, I dare you to take 10 seconds and give him praise like you know God has got you covered. You are a, in a covert. You are disguised by the deity of God. God says to the enemy, this is mine. You can look, but you ain't going to find them. You can seek, but you're not going to discover them because they belong to me. They are in my house. They are under my cover. They are covert. You can look, but you cannot find my people because they belong to me, I need you to just take 10 seconds and praise him like you know you're undercover. Tell your neighbor I'm undercover today because I'm in the house. I'm in the secret place. Covert means the secret place. Somebody shout the secret place. The secret place is a place that God reserves to keep you in secret. That's why our text says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That man, everybody say, that's me. That man, that woman will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he is my fortress, he is my God, in him will I trust. I thank the Lord that I gave my heart to him when I was 15 years old. I am 58 years old and I cannot remember one week when I was not in the house of God. And I can tell you right now, I'm only here today because I never forsook his house and his house never forsook me. If you'll stay committed to the congregation, if you'll lock into the covering, if you will commit to to the community God will take care of you and you will say he is my refuge he is my strength and I will trust in him if you believe it take 15 more seconds and praise him for covering you praise him for being a refuge I'm sorry that I'm this excited but I can't help myself I got to thinking about it today and I said, Lord, thank you for a family. Thank you for a community. Thank you for a house. Thank you for your shelter. Thank you for your refuge. Thank you for your covert. Thank you for disguising your people. Thank you for sheltering us from the storm. Thank you for keeping us by your mighty power. Thank you for every address. Thank you for every husband. Thank you for every wife. Thank you for every single adult. Thank you for every teenager. Thank you for every child that calls quests their home because they are protected. They are provided for. They have promises. They have a prophetic future. I need 20 people to give God an excited praise for keeping you and preserving you. Say this word with me, glory, 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 glory. 
Come on, look at five people and say, glory, 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 glory. It's all about the glory. It's all about the glory. The glory shall be a covering. The glory shall be a cloud. The glory shall be a shelter. The glory shall be a refuge. You don't get glory, you give glory. Can I preach the rest of this word? Shout it again, glory. Now add two words to it, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So you say, Pastor Rick, what's glory got to do with it? I'm about to tell you, verse 5. And upon her assemblies, a cloud smoked by day, shining a fire by night. Listen to it. For upon all, everybody say the word, all the glory shall be a defense. Upon all, who is all? All the assemblies. Y'all didn't get that right. All of his assemblies, the glory shall be what? A defense. I looked at that and I thought, man, when God is big among us. <laughs> Isaiah 62, 60 in verse 2 says, for, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth. Kind of like right now. Darkness is confusion, polarization. Darkness is the absence of light. Darkness shall cover the people. But the Lord shall arise on you. And his glory, listen carefully, his glory will be seen where? On you. Tell your neighbor you got glory all over you today. You just don't know it. Tell them again, you've got glory all over you today. So he says, the glory shall be a defense. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me in prayer today this morning at about 435, and this is what he said. Your story is not your defense. My glory is your defense. Your story is not your defense. My glory is your defense. Some people say, no, my testimony is my defense. No, your testimony is your weapon. For you overcome him by the word of your testimony. That's not your defense. That's your weapon. When the enemy comes at you, you just remind him, the Lord delivered me from this. And the Lord brought me through that right there. And God healed my marriage. And God kept me. That's your testimony. That's your weapon. But his glory is your defense. Your story is not. Isaiah 40 and verse 5, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Watch what it says. And all flesh shall see it together. The mouth of the Lord has spoken this. What does that mean? God is determined to get glory. You don't get glory. You give glory. God is wanting to do something in your story that all you can do with it is give him glory. So Jesus shows up on the scene in John chapter 9 and there's a man born blind. And the people say, who sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus said, neither he or his parents. In other words, what's that matter to you? He said, but this happened that my father shall receive glory. Some of you don't know that you're going through what you're going through, not to add another chapter to your story, but for you to increase his glory. Because every time he does something for you, it builds his fame, it builds his renown, it builds his name. I dare you to shout, God, get glory out of my story. Ooh, I wish you could hear this here. Whew. 
So he says the Lord will create glory. How does he create it? Through formative processing. It means to refashion or to remake glory. Well, for him to refashion or remake glory, he needs a volunteer. So he says, all I need you to do in your dire situation is just trust me. Because if you will trust me to bring you out and you'll promise to give me the glory and not tell people you were so smart that you did not arrive in your financial blessing place because of you. You are blessed because of me. Because Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. You can do nothing without me. You are blessed to give him glory. You are healed to give him glory. You are restored to give him glory. And some of y'all are going through a mess. But I came by to tell you, you are one step away from completing the formative process to recreate another level of glory in the earth. You have got to give God the praise because when you do, his glory increases in the earth. Throw your hands up and shout, Lord, do whatever you want to do. Just get glory out of my life. Do whatever you have to do, but get glory out of my life. When you bring me out, I will not tell people I did it. But when you bring me out, I promise you on this Sunday to give you all the praise and all the honor and all the worship and all the glory. Because without you, I can do nothing. So, Lord, be glorified in my life. Lord, be glorified in my book. Lord, be glorified in my story. So here's what I pray. I'm about done. But here's what I prayed. Here's what I prayed. Lord, fill this house with your glory. And here's what he said. I can't fill a house with glory that don't give me glory. So when my assembly begins to give me glory, watch what he says. I drop the weight of my glory Back on them. Glory means copious weight on a large scale. Something big. And I heard God say, I'm full of thought, I'm full of information, and I'm full of matter with an intention to fill this house with my glory. The Bible says that the priest could not stand in the tabernacle nor in the temple. Why? Because the glory was so heavy in the house that they couldn't stand to minister. They, could, they had to get down to do their duty. Why? Because the people gave so much that the glory began to set down in the house. And I said, Lord, get heavy in the house. Somebody shouted, Lord, get heavy in the house. How many of you know that you can feel heaviness? You can feel weight. You can feel glory. And I said, Lord, fill this house with your glory. Now, let me show you how important it is. I'm about done, but I'm going to preach the whole message. I'm going to show you how important it is. Thank you, Jesus. The word glory is mentioned 375 times in Scripture. That's more than once a day. The Lord wants to fill your life with his glory. Exodus 24, verse 16, and the glory of the Lord abode on the mountain, and the cloud covered it six days. The seventh day he called Moses out of the cloud, or out of the glory. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children. And Moses went into the midst of the glory, got him up in the mountain. Moses was in the mount for 40 days and 40 nights. 40 is the number of a generation. Whenever we find a people that's willing to spend time in his glory, we change a generation. Could you not pray with me for one hour 
Could you not commit to the community? Could you not assign yourself to the assembly for a generation's sake? My God. Exodus 29, 43. God says, and there I will meet with the children of Israel. Lord, I feel your presence right now. And the tabernacle, listen to it. The tabernacle, Elder Pat, you're going to love this. The tabernacle will be sanctified by my glory. In other words, the only way you'll know it's my, hold up now. The only way you'll know it's my dwelling place is that my glory is the distinction. If my glory ain't there, it might not be my tabernacle. I refuse to pastor a church that does not welcome the moving of the Holy Spirit. I refuse to pastor a church that your pursuit is his presence. If his pursuit is not his presence, then you're in the wrong place. His glory sanctifies the tabernacle. Why would you go to a house where you can't feel his presence? And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation. I will sanctify the priest. And I will dwell among the people. Exodus 33, 18. And he said, Moses said to the Lord, I beseech thee. Are y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Show me. We sang it today. Oh, I'm so deep in this thing, I don't even know who's here, who ain't. I don't even care now. He's the only man that talked face to face with God. Only man, Moses. And he said, Lord, Show me your glory. Watch what God says. And he said, God said, I will make my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I choose to be gracious. And I'll have mercy on whom I choose to show mercy. And he said, watch God told him, you cannot see my face. That's the last time. For there shall no man see me and live. Listen. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place. Woo! Now Moses, I know what you are. But there is a place. My God, today I wish you could hear this. There is a place by me. And you shall stand upon a rock. And it shall, what? A rock. What did Jesus call the church? A rock. And it shall come to pass. While my glory passes by. That I will put you in the cleft of that rock. And I will cover you with my hand. Y'all ain't hearing this. While I pass by. Tell your neighbor, get in the rock. Get in the house. Get in the covering. And I will cover it in my hand. Cover it with my hand while I pass by. And then I will take my hand away. And you shall see my back parts. What is the glory? The glory can be seen where he has been. Y'all not hear me right now. You see his glory when if he don't pass through. Y'all not hear me. You will never see his glory. But when he passes through, you see where he has been. Has he done anything for you in your life? Then he's been here. Touch your neighbor and tell them, when you see me, you've seen his glory. 
The glory is seen, listen carefully, I wrote this down today. The glory is seen as he passes by. So when we pray, God, move in this house. That's a literal prayer. Here's what it means. God passed through the people. That's why he says, I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. I'll have grace on who I want to have grace. Because when I pass by, I'm just looking for people that want it. And then the Lord told me, some people are going to get this. Some people are not. That's not for you to worry about. You just tell them, get under the cover. And I'll show them my glory. Watch this. He said, and it shall come to pass while my glory passes by. I will cover it not with my hand. Take my hand away and you shall see where I've been. Denoting the glory is behind him. So he says, I will create glory. How does he do it? He creates glory by doing something for you he's never done before. That's when you go crazy with a praise right there. He creates glory by doing something for you you've never seen before. God said, I'm about to get glory out of your life. How? By doing something that you gave up on. You put it on the shelf, and I'm pulling it back out, and I'm about to do a miracle in your life. Then you're going to have to say, only God can do this. If you're looking for his glory today, everybody jump on your feet and give him praise just, just for about 10 seconds. Show us your glory, Lord. How? By passing through here. Show us your glory, Lord. How? By doing something among your people. Show us your glory, Lord. How? By covering this community. So Isaiah chapter 4 repeats Exodus chapter 33, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Because they follow what? Pillar of fire, cloud of fire by day, a fire by day, cloud by night. Same thing Isaiah said. I'm going to do it again. So I start thinking. And I find this. The angel of God, Exodus 14, 19, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew. And he went behind them. The pillar of cloud, or the glory, moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and the people of Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. Here's what God told me. I'm about to put glory behind you. The distinction is not darkness and light. The distinction is darkness and glory. When the enemy thinks it's day, it's really night. And when he thinks it's night, it's day. When he's sleeping, you move it. I'm going to put glory behind you when people look at where you've been. They won't look at your story. They'll just look at my glory. So I started thinking, and I've always wondered about this scripture in Haggai. Haggai says this in chapter 2 and verse 9. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former. And in this place I will give peace. What is, that's not a comparison, y'all. We go from The glory has to be greater later than it was formerly. Quit comparing the glory now to the glory that was.